Hello and welcome to the second episode of the sixth season of the Plants on Footy podcast. I'm your host, Rory O'Kane, and as always, I'm joined by Scott Fotheringham. Hello, Banjo. You need to give us an apology off the top, don't you? You let everyone down. We unveiled the Hijack TV debut for the Plebs on Footy podcast, which was going to happen on, was it Thursday night? And you let us down. You have failed us, and I want an apology. Yeah, look, to all our loyal listeners, I would like to formally apologise. I was a victim of the global pandemic that has ruined the last few years, even more so than the Melbourne Premiership for me. Uh, it was it yeah. like an excuse to me, Banjo. <laughs> Look, I'm sorry. What else can I say? I'm triple vaxxed. I couldn't do anything else and I got it and I haven't felt any symptoms, which is good, but yeah. it did mean that you weren't allowed to come to my house to record the pod. You haven't had zero symptoms, have you? Uh, I've had next to zero symptoms. Well, that's pretty good. You'd be happy with that. I'm, I'm still, I think I'm immune because I did see you for what, eight hours the weekend beforehand? I and, think uh, it was significantly longer than that. Well, it was eight hours on one day in a house, and then yeah. we saw a movie, and then we had brunch together. Although, look, you probably didn't have it then, although your no, girlfriend I think I got have, it. But... I think I got it later. Yeah, and she was there for about three or four yeah, hours anyway. Yeah, look, I'm immune to COVID, I've decided. But yeah, so well, what are we doing? We have to do two now. Do we have to go and take two games? Yes, yes, we do. We have to catch up because I think... Look, let's be honest, the likelihood of us being wanting to catch up as the season goes on, it decreases more and more, <laughs> and we're probably going to have other things uh, interrupt us, so we need to stay on top of it. We were planning on staying on top of it, but yeah, God intervened, unfortunately. So, yeah, Whilst we have some energy, we're going to try to bump a couple of games out. Which, which two are we doing, Banjo? Uh, we're going to do the Thursday night game, which if you give me one second, I'll be able to tell you what it is. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was the Western Bulldogs Carlton off the you top of the dome. I that am mark. correct. Look at that. And then we're going to end with Frio St Kilda, which that's a good, fun, low stakes game. I feel like we're we're so, bookending the round of footy, so everyone will be able to enjoy their plans on footy to start and end the rounds. You start on good vibes and uh, finish getting excited about the next week. Mm, and eliminate one Brian Taylor call from your life. I just exactly. think that's that's good karma for us. We should buy a lotto ticket because we're doing such a service. Look, Banjo, off the top for this, so we're meant to bring our our two segments uh, to the the week every week. And I've decided this time I'm giving you a task because, I mean, I do have a confession that I need to make. Over the week, it was round one, and all I want to do in round one is watch football, as you know. Mm. But I did end up going away hiking for the weekend. And I did not have much reception. Look, I, I obviously went along on Wednesday night, which was fantastic. I watched Thursday and Friday pretty closely. And then there is just a massive gap in which I don't know what the hell happened in the football world. I've had a look at the fantasy scores. That's about as deep as I've gone. So I need you to let me know what the hell happened in footy this week um, and to get me up to speed with everything. Look, it was a big week of footy and being stuck inside for the entirety of it. I did watch literally every game, except for the second half on Friday night when I fell asleep, which I'm blaming on COVID. So could you, feel... watch, you couldn't watch every game. Yeah, they were all... Well, one, really? I've got two TVs, so I could watch every game. <laughs> <laughs> and two, they were all spaced out. It was the, probably they? the best picturing, picturing the <laughs> AFL's ever done. Yeah. So you literally watched... to make dinner be- between the uh, end of the Adelaide Frio game and the start of the Gold Coast West Coast game. 
You actually did, well, basically a Terry Wallace. You watched like, Yeah, I really, really round. don't want to do the maths on how much time I spent watching football this week. <laughs> well, what did you get out of it, Banjo? What's the what's the update? What's going on? Because I, I know nothing. I got a lot out of it. I got a lot out of it. Look, we can probably skip the games you watched because you know Melbourne are good. That's not really news. I do know that. You're right. We know that Sid, uh, St Kilda aren't very good. That's not news. Mm. So that's ticking off. Uh, oh, sorry. And we're going to talk about Carlton Richmond later. So we can put that aside. And that, t- that was quite a good watch. That was quite a good watch. And more importantly, we're going to talk about it later. <laughs> so let's yep. not bring, about, bring that up. But on Saturday, it was a big day of football. Geelong absolutely flogged uh, Essendon. Mm. It, the scoreboard is flattering to Essendon. Let's put it that way. At 66 really? Points. Yeah. It, was, it should have been 80, 90 points. But they had uh, a debutante who set the highest ever AFL fantasy score on debut with 130, Nick Martin. Yeah. Five goals and 27 touches. Who the hell is Nick Martin? Can you explain? Where does he come from? Skinny wingman, I think from South Australia, about 20 years old, was their last, the last man on their list uh, who was talked about. Did you you watch this preseason game where they kept talking about? Uh, either Wanganine or Martin being the last player and having like a playoff for their last spot oh, in the SMLs. that was him. Yeah, it was those right. two. And yeah, um, they'd be glad they are. Uh, they'd be glad they brought in Nick Martin because Wait, he so was he, their best player by a mile. So he's a skinny wingman. How did he have 27 disposals and kick five goals and take he, 10 marks? What the he, hell? He kept getting <laughs> goals out the fat side. He, he, he must have just run harder than his opposition, to did be honest. Did he play on the wing? Yeah, he played on the wing pretty that's much ex- the entire time. It's a fantastic that's game. It's incredible. In a team that got flogged, he kicked yep. five goals off a wing. He was their best player by an absolute mile. That's an extraordinary. I presumed he played in the pocket or something and got some free kicks or maybe some 50-meter penalties or something like that. No, he just wow. he just kicked goals. He kept taking, getting ball off the fat side and running into sort of unmarked goals. It was just an incredible running display, to be honest. And he dodged a couple of players on some of them too, so... They weren't all sort of cheap, but he is the only reason. If you can call 66 points a close loss, he's the only reason it was that close. It Let's put it that close. way. Well, I mean, look, that's the thing, which obviously at some point I got reception and I had a look at the scores. And that, I mean, the, this game was the one which, you know, spat out to me off the paper, the fact that it was such a flogging. Like, that was a big, like, not not an enormous surprise in that they lost, mm. but I did not expect the matter in the flogging. loss, yeah. Well, what's, Especially, what's... They, they had so much hype going into the year. Absolutely. It's just completely cratered. And it's just a joy to see. What, what's what's the reason for it? What, no, what we'll get to that later, Scott. Okay, Read the right, rundown. Right. You know we're getting to Essendon. Yes, all right. Well, what else happened then? Well, I think it's safe to say that Geelong aren't too old for round one. So <laughs> that's one takeaway. Okay. But the next game was the game of the round by an absolute mild GWS Sydney. But he didn't get his thousandth oh, goal, it? only kicked one. It was a fantastic game of football. Both yeah. these sides will be quite good if this game's anything to go by. Mm. Tom Green played an absolute blinder and looks like mm. he's arrived because they've kind of pushed Callan Ward out to make room for him. So he's playing off a half-back flank. And for Sydney, they've moved uh, JPK back and Luke Parker played a lot more time forward. And the midfield balance still looks absolutely fine. Rowbottom had a cracker. Goulden looked good again in his second year. They, they're going to be good. There's no drop-off. Both you and I were a little bit sceptical about them yeah. uh, after last year. I think you might have just been sort of a bounce that, well, whatever the opposite of a dead cat bounce is, I guess. <laughs> but, uh, I don't think that's the case. 
So who ran through the midfield for them then? So, I mean, obviously, like I can see on the paper that Parker kicked five, Heaney kicked three. Yeah, so both those guys still played time through. Like, they were still their leading position winners as well, I think. So it's not like they didn't play any time. Yeah. So it wasn't like they didn't play any uh, time through the midfield, but they were definitely playing enough time forward that it was notable. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mills, obviously, is the other main factor, but he only had 21, but it was a really even display. Blakey was entirely at the halfback. Florent was through the midfield, Rowbottom through the midfield. Did Kennedy go at all into the middle? I think he had like four or five CBAs Hmm. next to nothing. And that'll be very interesting because he didn't look particularly good back there. And it seems like it might just be a waste putting him back there when he is still a good midfielder. But that's a story that'll percolate as the season goes on. Is that? Do, I mean, do you, is that sustainable? That sort of plan? To I mean, it, it sounds like they're rotating quite heavily through the midfield, and they're not. You know, they don't have those experienced players who are just going to lock down that position, which a lot of the good teams have. I mean, having a midfield which has a bunch of young, very exciting, very talented kids running through there is that going to sustain throughout the year? Yeah, but when you look at it, their top three midfielders were still probably Mills, Heaney, and Parker. So it's not like that's young or inexperienced. Those are very yeah. high quality, experienced players at this point. Like I know Heaney and uh, Mills aren't old, but they're mid twenties now. They're established, not veterans, but mid career sort of prime players. And then they've just allowed space beneath them for the younger kids to come through. And again, like Roy Bottoms in his about fourth year. So guys like that, Florence in his fifth mm. year, I think they're mm. not babies they're just no. young prime so i think that's fine i don't think that's a particular worry for them it's more and, just the shock of not having as much uh parker and kennedy there yeah and not a bad loss for gws is that what i'm getting out of this they looked all yeah, right. honestly gws looked fantastic for the first okay. three quarters and city just had a little bit more in the tank they missed toby green obviously and they got a little bit stagnant up forward but they looked like harry himmelberg's developed riccardi looked okay so there's some pretty good signs for them moving forward i think and they got very little out of guys like whitfield and their runoff halfback which you'd expect to get a little bit more most importantly how did my boy go how did cogs go did he look sharp his stat line's good but not terrific i think that's his entire that's how you describe his game Okay. It, was, it was clearly not the dumpster fire his season was last year. <laughs> yes. Like, that, was, that was a disaster on absolutely every front. That's not going to be the case this year. But it wasn't like he played his best game ever either. No. Okay. So he, okay. he provided some good drive. He had a couple of good moments. But it wasn't like he was a dominating force in the game. Okay. And that's mostly because Tom Green was by far the best midfielder on the ground mm-hmm. for them and mm-hmm. everyone else looked like yeah. pale in comparison. He, he's going to be good, Tom Green. He's going he to be good. And we'll just uh, move on without acknowledging that he's in my fantasy side. Yeah, uh, <laughs> The next game was uh, Brisbane-Port Adelaide. I think this is a very indicative game uh, moving forward of how the season's going to go. Uh, obviously, two top four teams from the year before. Two very good sides. Brisbane just got over the line, but Port hung in there even facing quite a few injuries. Dersman broke his collarbone. Aaliyah did his syndesmosis out for eight weeks. McKenzie mm. did his knee, and I don't know how long he's out for. So the casualty yes. list is long for them, but the fact they hung in against another very good side for that long, when I was a little bit worried about them coming into the season, mm. I think that's a really good sign. Yeah. No thoughts on that one? 
Oh, well, I mean, I thought you were the one who was meant to be bringing something to the well, table. Be, it responded so much to the other ones. I was thinking this would be like a quick move through it, rush through it, like try and get it under three minutes type segment. But it's been like 11 <laughs> minutes and we're still here. I don't have any thoughts about something I didn't. Well, to tell me, what about what about Port Adelaide's midfield group? I mean, how much time did Butter spend in there? How much Butter time spent did Pal Pepper spend in there? there? It looked very good. Pal Pepper spent a decent chunk in there, but kind of moved in there uh due to sort of different injuries and stuff and being moved around. It didn't seem like you had a dominating, not a dominant, like a dominant role in there. Rosie did absolutely nothing. Uh, he he got injured, game. Didn't he? he? did, but late, very late in the game. So he had it wasn't, five disposals. Yeah, he just looked nowhere near it. And so I thought he might start playing a little bit more midfield for them and just nothing. So... Did, did- did, did Robbie die? He had five disposals. Is he still He alive? looked like he was going to die, but then he came back on. He looked uh, like he'd done his, oh, I can't remember if it was ankle or knee, but he looked like he'd hurt himself and came back on okay. the ground. But um, they just, they didn't have the territory to really utilize their small forwards. So part of it was that, and part of it was sort of being hobbled a little bit, I think so. But he's also old, so there's naturally going to be a little worse every year from here on out. So hard to say how much of that was what. Uh, then there was a very, very nondescript Hawthorne North Melbourne game, which I don't think we really need to dwell on all that much. <laughs> oh, I'm to say that uh, James, Jason Holtz Francis is the real deal. But we'll move on. No, 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 <laughs> no, no, we won't. I mean, that that concerns you, does it not? I mean, you you are really low on Hawthorne. I tip yeah. North Melbourne. I thought you would win. Yeah. So I think. My quote to you at the end of the game was, I'm not sure if there's a bad loss, such a thing as a bad loss for the reigning wooden spooners, but if there is, this is it. And I think that pretty much sums it up. Our structure was just wrong. The three tall forwards, the three ruckmen didn't Yeah, that is a weird call. Why did they do that? Well, the thing was, yeah, we brought in Callum Common-Jones for a very high price with a second-round pick, which it's going to be like 22 at best, I think, for North. And... After you do that, you want to play him. And he is, in terms of Ruckman being a key forward, he's on the upper end of the key forward ability for that. He's played, he's like genuinely kind of like a 50-50, could go either way on what he is. And Cherry played so well in the preseason that we just had to play him. And we're never dropping goalies. So it just was, yeah, it's just a tough one. We so just is someone, someone getting drop dropped next week and who? I would guess Cherry. But yep. I don't think it should be Cherry on form. Okay. I think we should spend Cherry 70% ruck, Goldie 30%, and Goldie playing the rest of the time as a key forward because he's just a bit wilier than Callum Coleman Jones and obviously yeah. Cherry as a forward. He, he didn't have a particularly good game and he's not a traditional key forward. He doesn't do those key forward things like really crash packs all that well. That's never been his strength, not even as a ruckman. But he's smart and he positions himself really well and he's got surprisingly good skills for someone that big and he's just so creative ball in hand that I think he's a better option. Yeah, can I, so, so, I mean, what was the standard of game for this? Was it a obvious seller-dweller piece of crap? or The was first it a quarter and a half like were quite good. And I was, was like, that just because you were winning to that point? <laughs> uh, we were winning well, and uh, we were winning for the entire first half. So it wasn't just that, okay. but that definitely was part of it. But the first, so Hawthorne moved the ball really well into their forward fifty, and their defense stood up reasonably well into an absolute onslaught from the North Melbourne midfield, who just dominated the first part of the game. 
Okay. Uh, but, and then in the second half, there was just so many slop. Second half of the second quarter, there was just a bunch of sloppy errors that mm. should have led to about five goals, but only led to one goal. <laughs> so okay. and I was just like, okay. ah, this is a bit grim. That's and not a good sign for the game sec- quality, yeah. <laughs> no, the second half just devolved a little bit. Hawthorne got on top, which so part of it is definitely biased and coloured by that. But it also, like, there were some really poor missed shots on goal, particularly by Jack Gunston, of all people. Uh, oh, he had a good capitalize. game. He did have a good game. 18 and three goals, four. Yeah, but he was playing on nobody because we lost our key four, our only key defender to concussion, or our only true mm. key defender. Okay. A bit Excuses of a again. So yeah, he okay. was playing on Zeebel. And to be honest, I thought Zeebel stood up well. Luke McDonald had an absolute cracker. He's back to his best, which is good to see. But mm. And honestly, Sicily coming back, fantastic for Hawthorne. Mm. Looked pretty good, good pretty healthy. Well. And Giath looked great. Um, as everybody knows, just an athletic freak and can do things that no one else can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was just unbelievable. Like There was one moment, and like I think this should have been paid to Mark, but it wasn't. But Jason Horton Francis, like, was 10 metres in the clear, led strongly, took the ball, highest point, and Giath closed the gap in about a split second to fist the ball away. And I think it was a split second after, but I'm obviously biased. <laughs> Why did you bring that up? Just to have a complaint about the umpire? Or... No, just to talk about how quickly Giath closed the gap. Right. Mostly. You, you, you tried slight, to make it was, seem like. It was a you, slight hidden agenda. Slight. I pick up on that rubbish from you, Banjo. Now, look, the next game, which was the oh, one... Oh, that was my transition to talking about Jason Horn Francis. No, you're not going to talk about him. How can you talk about We had a Kane Corn segment dedicated to him last week. We're going to talk about him and not. No, I'm not. Uh, I'm not having that. All, all but, you need to know is he's the real deal. Okay, all right. Now, the next game, Banjo, I must admit, I, so I didn't see the game, but I listened to the entire thing on the radio on the way back. <laughs> so what you're going to tell me about this game is what I didn't pick up on by listening to it on the radio. Uh, that's a what, tough one. It's very, it's very, it's very hard to say what you picked up on the radio and what you didn't. <laughs> to be honest, it's uh, not something I feel like I'm particularly well informed about. The big standout for me, Frio still are garbage in front of goal, and I don't know how they haven't spent time trying to address it. Well, they may have. It's just not worked. Yeah, <laughs> Rochelle is an absolute freak. Yeah, that kid is a gun. Yeah, like, honestly, he's going to get within like three, four years, like, stupid offers from Melbourne clubs to come home. Mm. He is a so, freak. So the the main comparison which they had for him, there was either a bit of a, a Toby Green comparison in that he's a bit of a rat and then also a bit of a uh, Robbie Gray comparison. Does that seem accurate from – I have – again, I, I heard it on the radio and he sounds awesome, but I don't have the visuals on him yet. I see where they're coming from. It's hard to say yet whether he's as good overhead as Toby Green is, um, and, but he's also a bit quicker, so that's a bit different. And Robbie Gray's got more agility than just about anyone I've ever seen play the game, so it's hard yeah. to really, uh, mm. it's hard to really compare anyone to him. I kind of loathe to do it, even though you love calling Ben Ainsworth the next Robbie Gray. <laughs> I don't love it. I say it's it for, for, for a man who supposedly <laughs> adores Robbie Gray more than anyone else in the world. You're very easy to give uh, subpar players the uh, next Robbie Gray uh, mantle, but I don't know. He's He's just so bloody clean with the football. Like, his finishing around goal was just unbelievable. He kicked five goals one, but he probably kicked the five hard ones, to be honest. He was just fantastic. I 
I don't know. He's he's one of those small forwards that isn't like a super athletic freak, but he's athletic enough. And then his mind and his skills are just a mile ahead of everybody else's. Mm. So it's kind of it's just it's hard to compare him to anyone at this point. But he's going to be a very effective half forward at worst. Yeah, there's a chance yeah. he turns like he's, he could be one of those guys that's unleashed into the midfield seven years into his career, and everyone goes, "What the hell took him so long?" Now, what 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 we really want from you, Banjo, is I mean, what's your equivalent of your Adam Goods without his two Brownlow years? Oh, okay. Well, what's and, the what's the minimum that Rochelle could be in an off one game? Way. I feel like this is slightly less informed than three seasons I had with Taron Thomas. <laughs> but uh, this is a fun game. We could make a genuine game out of this. Yeah, uh, <laughs> obscure comparisons. Yeah, Alan Didak without the drink driving charges. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, and that that's the minimum. Yeah, that's the minimum. That's, that's the minimum. A good Absolutely. Play. <laughs> Leon Davis with an ability to play on grand final. Day. Ah, that's a good one. That's, that's a good one. No, I'm happy with that one. Uh, all right, anything else out of this game? Uh, it's hard to say for Frio because they were missing Fife and Sean Darcy. Yeah. So it completely changes. Up. Yeah, well, I forgot about him. Yeah. But it completely changes what that side looks like. And then, like, Lloyd Meek was pretty good, to be honest. For a backup Ruckman, I think he's almost too good to be that judgy. He played pretty well against O'Brien. He looks clean around the ground. I was very impressed by him. But, again, their midfield was not full strength, especially with Darcy and uh, Fife. But, and the forward line, Lott played really well. Tracy played okay, but just didn't quite have the structure that Tabner provides. Yeah. Although Tabner also is a terrible kick for goal, so who knows whether yeah. or not that would have helped. Like, Freo should have won this game by more. They kept Adelaide in it for way too long, and then a massive lapse in concentration in the third quarter allowed Adelaide back in it. Mm. And they were saved pretty flukily in the end by just willing themselves over the line. Mm. And then, obviously, the moment you want to talk about most, Steve Chapman's majestic spoil. Now, I, obviously, I wasn't watching a live banjo, but I've been told. I, I've seen articles suggesting that it was the most clever piece of play ever and how genius this spoil was. So I clicked on it thinking, gee, I wonder what he did that was so different and unique about this spoil. And I came across the fact that his team were leading by a point, someone had a shot on goal, and he actually had the intelligence to spoil the ball back into play. Now, if that's the most intelligent thing that's ever happened on a footy field, we're, we're in a pretty sad place, Banjo. That's, no, it, it's not being smart. It's not being an idiot. Like, why would anyone spoil it through in that position? Well, he just what, knew what the scoreboard was. It was an obvious thing to do. One thing you've got to consider, though, Scott, is everyone else has a very low opinion of the intelligence of AFL footballers. So well, you've got to they better. You've got to factor that in. But then he also, he won the contest early to be able to position himself to do that. And that was quite impressive because you very often see that shepherded through. It's not just about the intelligence. Then the skill execution was good. No, no, no. Let, let me let me clarify. I'm not saying it wasn't a great defensive effort <laughs> in the game. Good on him. It was it was terrific. I just don't see why cleverness is the takeaway from it. Fair enough. But then he also it wasn't that he just kept the ball in play. He spoiled it to the fat side of the ground where there were three Frio players lining up and not a single Adelaide okay. player. It the way the stoppage is structured up, Frio had for some reason. That side of the ground where the ball was never going to go very well covered. And he allowed them to regain control of the ball and 
just settle the game down. As soon as he did that, the game was over. There was still 20 seconds left on the clock. He just knocks that back into play, open play, and it's contested. There's every chance they get another shot on goal. Okay, but he if managed you can, it in a way that completely iced the game. If you can prove to me that he intentionally spoiled it in the direction of his players, Mate, watch his I'll eyes. give him a bit of credit for cleverness. Watch his but eyes. He may Go have just bloody it and watch his them. eyes. He's looking at them. All right. Well, that that's a little bit better. I still don't think it's the smartest thing I've ever seen on a football field, but that there is a bit of cleverness to that. So thank you for answering that question. Watching it live, I was amazed. I thought it was incredible. One, because that, that, that shot on goal was from 30 metres out. The fact that he didn't get it above like human height from Ben Keyes, your boy, was just shocking. But everyone's ignoring that because it was a great spoil. Yeah, well, okay, you can criticize Ben Keys. Go for it. You didn't have a snap out of a pack, and the, like whatever. Wasn't a snap, but... though. He had time to steady. He was in clear air. Oh right, watch it again. Whatever. Watch it again. It I'm just saying, play. it was it was a great defensive effort, but it was not that clever. <laughs> well, that's about it. We've got a few other games, but yeah. I feel like we've spent enough time on this. I... West Coast lost to Gold Coast, as everybody knew was going to happen because they were playing a waffle side. Oh, look, I, I, I did watch that one as well. And look, to, the, to be honest, I actually thought West Coast were quite, quite impressive considering. Yeah. I actually quite, quite liked the way that they moved the ball. Um, but Gold Coast, for the most part, flogged them out of the middle and their midfield was looking really good. So yeah, we won't go with, you don't need to nice. update me on that one because I, I did actually manage to get home in time to watch a bit of that game. So. i got to say, we might get some feedback, but the idea of spending 20 minutes telling you what happened on the last weekend of football might not have been the most solid segment idea, especially because we <laughs> ignored half the other games yeah well look the the idea of it was just to have a different way of talking about football but, yeah, I, look, but I, I see you kept asking me from. questions that we just blew out this was supposed <laughs> we wanted to do half hour pods we got five <laughs> minutes before that's up and we got three other segments to do as always i'll i'll bring us back to being in, in line with what we want to do with i'll have a nice quicker segment on it you cannot a... possibly blame me for this bloated nonsense <laughs> mine's on a bit more of a, a discreet issue but nonetheless one which needs to be talked about it's been talked about by everyone and i know it's a bit typical in that sense but i feel like we do need to put our stake in the ground on this sort of stuff in that i, I want to talk about the rule changes or Sorry, not the rule changes, the different interpretations. That, that's another <laughs> little that's another little bugbear of mine. I feel like that's good argument. messaging. That's good messaging from the AFL. We're not <laughs> changing any arguments. rules. We know you hate us changing the rules. We're just gonna change how we adjudicate them. <laughs> I've heard Completely arguments different. on the radio. I'm pretty sure between Tim and Gary about whether it should be called a change in interpretation or a stricter interpretation and what is the difference between those two? It's it's ridiculous that, that we're is talking absolute, about this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. There is no point arguing those semantics. It doesn't change what's happened. Yes. Well, anyway, there's pretty much meant to be two rules which have yeah. been interpreted differently heading Just into the Just before we start, can I point out something to our listeners? Yes. You're a lawyer, and that's why you like this segment. Now go. Okay, that's fine. But there, there are two things which uh, were You're a lot more enthusiastic than me. <laughs> the, one, the first one is the one in which I can't make I can't tell any difference whatsoever. That supposedly there's think, this new interpretation I, where if you have prior opportunity and you get tackled, you need to dispose of it immediately or it's holding the ball. I, now, my understanding is that that's pretty much always been the rule. Perhaps they're just saying we're going to be a bit hotter on holding the ball. But I don't think they have been. Yeah, I haven't noticed it at all. I always have gone the other way. There were moments uh, in the North game, which, and obviously you pay more attention to 
got free kicks and stuff when you supporting OD. Well, I was losing my mind at holding the ball calls because they were too relaxed about it, which, like, I might have been wrong and I might have been biased in the heat of the moment and whatnot, but still, for me to be thinking they're being too relaxed about something is the complete opposite of what I should have been. Like, I should have still been complaining, but it should have been for too many of them. Yeah, I, I um, look, obviously there's the occasional one which I see, which I think, oh, that, that was pretty hot, that one. But I don't think, I'm just noticing it more now mm. because they're meant to have changed. That's always been the case. There's always been a few which I've said, gee, yeah. that's pretty hot. I thought from the way it was explained, I thought the difference was going to be for those ones where they tackle and do like a 360 before disposing of it. I thought that was the idea, that they're not going to give them as much time to dispose of it. But that I did definitely didn't see that this week. No, I saw a fact- number which yeah. were 360-degree spin, and then they handballed it, and it was fine. I, I'm not going to change there at all. You should be able to do that because the person should have to actually tackle you. If you can spin around and still handball the ball, they haven't properly tackled you. I think it's ridiculous that we're putting time limits on this crap. But, but that's what they, they say. Apparently, the change is meant to be. If you have prior opportunity and you are legally tackled, you need to dispose of it immediately. So I suppose in that circumstance, the argument may be that they haven't been legally tackled yet because they haven't actually been sort of stripped yeah. of the ball or sort of chance to dispose of it. But I get, but what's the difference to what it used to be in that circumstance? That's always been the case that if you tackle them to the, if they have prior opportunity, you tackle them to the extent that they can't get rid of it mm. or they, they, you know, you've stripped them of it or whatever, then that's holding the ball. I, I can't see what has actually changed there. I, 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 that, that one's ridiculous. Yeah. The, the, the other one, which is meant to have been a big change and actually has been fairly noticeable, is the uh, stricter uh, enforcement of uh, umpire abuse and time wasting. And it's that, a good that way to be... get scoring up. A lot of fifties to the goal line. Yeah, potentially. Like that'll <laughs> increase fifty meter penalties, and that has been noticeable. And in theory, I like the theory of them. The thing which I'm having an issue with at the moment is we have got to the point where there are so many different ways in which you can give away a 50-meter penalty. As a supporter, you're at the game, and there's just 50s going off mm. left, right, and center. You never know what they're for. They might have been someone running too close to the man on the mark. It might have been someone stepping sideways closely. It might have been someone yelling an expletive or missing someone tossing the ball back. Like, it's just, it's, it's insane. It's got to the point where someone takes a mark and gets a free kick and you like can't do anything or else you're going to give away a 50. And a 50 is a huge penalty. We've talked about this quite a bit, but like yeah. 50 is quite often a goal. And if it's not a goal, it's still a take it out of defensive 50 and take it to the other end of the ground and mm. you win the territory battle. That's a really significant thing. And I feel like it's been overdone a little bit. I would personally like the option of a 25-metre penalty or something like that. I mean, for those ticky-tacky ones, like anything that's stand rule-related or uh, protected area-related, those should be 25. Yeah, that's... there is no need. Like, they haven't hurt anyone. They haven't abused anyone. They haven't done anything malicious. They've just, you know, fucked up a little bit. And that should be a much less... Incompetence should be less of a penalty than maliciousness. Let's put it that way. Agreed. And and the, the counter-argument which I've heard to the suggestion of bringing in the smaller penalty for some stuff is people seem to suggest it's going to be a discretion thing for the umpires and that's mm. going to make things pretty hard, that no. it's going to be that they get to pick and choose. But I think it should be some rules are 25 metres and some rules are 50. So therefore, exactly. it doesn't open up to discretion. It's, it's more the, yeah, the ticky touch would 
um, things which are in place in order to improve the the quality of the game and to try to increase scoring and fast play and that sort of stuff where people aren't intentionally doing so yeah. they're not whacking someone or yeah but like when you hit like the guy late after he's marked it yeah. that should still be 50 that, that's 50 because that's a very serious thing to do and you shouldn't yeah. be doing that but for the for the smaller stuff that's been brought in i think a 25 meter penalty is enough to yeah. affect play uh, affect people so that they you know, deter them against doing these things without, you know, giving goals away every time someone does something small like that. So I I think that's an obvious thing to do. 100% agreed with you wholeheartedly. And when you look at what players like run off, like when the 50 is given and they just sprint downfield, even if they don't take the entire 50 and they play on before then, it still completely changes the sort of, outcome of that passage of play because it completely breaks the zone. So even 25 metres yeah. can really put the team with the ball on the front foot yeah. and open things up. It's not – it doesn't make it nothing. It just makes it not an absolute backbreaker. Yeah, absolutely. Very much in agreement, Ben. Just so yeah, it's uncomfortable, isn't it? Yeah, well, I do, I do just quickly want to say, I think for the most part, and you may disagree with this, I think for the most part a lot of the rule changes over the last few years have been pretty good for the game. And I personally think – the game is in a better position than it was a few years ago, and I think that yeah. is a, a fair reason why. And it's not just because Richmond aren't winning flags anymore. Yes, well, and Melbourne <laughs> are winning flags. That, 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 that's a major factor as well. But I, I think they've largely been good. But, yeah, I, I'm, just, I'm getting to the point there's, there's too many ways to give away 50. So that's you, been annoying me a little bit. Just one last thing on this topic. Did you hear the uh, Tom Brown thing where he calculated that eight 50-metre penalties given away by Richmond equated to four kilometres of penalties? <laughs> Genius. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. <laughs> just, just slight miscarried the zero there. But anyway. <laughs> but anyway, let's get on to our third segment. We're going to talk about our overreactions from round one. Obviously, you studied this round very closely. And mm. Everyone skipped segment one. But the best thing about round one is we've had all this time in preseason talking about what we think is going to happen and we finally see some results. And we get to completely throw out everything we thought going into the year and just focus entirely on what just happened. And so that's what we're going to do. Yes, this is pretty much the same thing as Kane Corns, but we're just doing a few more of them because it's round one. Anyway, do you want to take us away or should I? Uh, look, I'm, I'm happy to take away, Banjo. I, I will ahead. say, for the most part, they're meant to be a little bit more serious, I suppose, than Kane Corns. Oh, look, I'm looking at mine. And yeah, we're supposed to believe them a little more. Let's put it yeah. that way. Well, look, this first one I do believe. I, look, I, first thing is, is I, of course I have picked this one a little bit to upset you. And that's always a bit of fun. But I also... Can I just make two guesses about what it's related to? You may, yes. Either Ben Brown or Taryn Thomas. The first one is a third of the call. (laughs) (laughs) What I will say, Banjo, is that I have located some free money uh, online. I've done a bit of digging and I've actually found some money. You just need to click on a few links and press bet and you actually get free money. I found $216 odds. On something which is a certainty to happen, Dan. Oh wow! So if we put our two zero point two percent stake in Hijack TV <laughs> on this, we could be billionaires oh, mate. Oh, in mate. Fortnite. Oh mate! I mean, we're going to be billionaires anyway. We could yeah, be two hundred and sixteen billion. Warren anyway, Buffett, here we come. Banjo, Melbourne for the Premiership. Guaranteed. Christian Petrarca for the Brownlow. Guaranteed. And Brown for the Coleman. 
absolutely lock it in. I can't see any right. of those things not happening. Can I just say, if that does not happen, I think Simon Goodwin should be sacked. <laughs> <laughs> Even if Bailey Fritch wins the goal, he should be sacked. Yeah. But look, I mean, look, well, you come into round one for the, the big game on a, on a Wednesday night. Coming up against the he biggest other contender for the premiership, and we look, we, we we're completely outplayed them there. Yeah, we I expect you should have won by ten goals. Apparently, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. We, I mean, they obviously they had fifteen you know, minutes. Yeah, they went berserk for fifteen minutes. Apart from that, we're just a far better team. Christian Petrarca has gone to just an entirely new level with his football. He is yeah. incredible. He's the he best is so the good. And how Stenak, we do need to go with how sharp is Ben Brown looking? How good did he look on Wednesday night? Yeah, it's it's distressing. His <laughs> leading pattern is so good. His hands are sticky. His kicking's working. He he looks his, so his good. His just so much better. And it hurts because this is the first preseason he's ever had uninjured, and it's taken yes. ten years, <laughs> like, well, longer, twelve years almost. And like, I don't know. Everyone, no, maybe not everyone, because he did have a lot of doubters, but every North supporter knew he could do this when, if he was ever healthy. And it's just, it's hard to watch. Well, when, it's hard when, to watch. When you effectively gave him to us for free, which thank you very much for that, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, the I was... thank Collingwood for Jaden Stevenson. <laughs> the thing is, you were saying that oh, maybe the reason is because we think that his body's cooked. And I mean, he, he had a few have surgery like a week out from round one last year. Yeah, look, he's had his first ever consistent run at it yeah. over a preseason, and he's gone to another level. So, um, put some money on it, Banjo. It, it's put free some money, money on it. Will you spot me? What does that mean? If yeah, you lose, put, put some bed, put my money, put money on for me. You know, if it's such a guarantee, give me well, a how about present. how about we put in like ten bucks each. Yeah, okay, let's do that. Should we put in a Norm Smith medal bet as well, or is that too far? No, no it's, it's a bit too risky, that one. The, these ones, the point of this is that it's free money, so yeah, okay. it's, it's a certainty to happen. I think a Norm Smith, there's a chance that Clary could have a good grand final. There's a chance. <laughs> so we'll, we'll just Brownlow votes last year? He did, yes. Yeah, so maybe it's not it's not so good. No, Trax just I mean, he's, he's in gone. Two thousand and seven, Jimmy Bartell won the Brownlow, not Gary Ablett. Didn't yeah. change who the best player in the competition was. Nah, Trax just gone off, mate. He, he's huge. Anyway, uh, what, what's, what's your words. overreactions? My first overreaction is possibly my favourite words in the English dictionary. Essendon are cooked. Oh, that was so bad on the weekend and it was glorious. Right them out of your top eight. No chance in hell they make it. Their midfield is exactly the same in, like, five different players. Even their wingers, who could be midfielders like Jay Caldwell, is just another Zach Merritt, and they're all doing the same thing, and they <laughs> completely, completely leave themselves exposed to any big-body midfielder, and they apply no defensive pressure because they're all too small to tackle anybody. It's great. What, so what actually happened here with this game? Because... Look, what I do, I remember quite distinctly, I think it was two years ago, maybe three, there was a round one in which Essendon just put in the most pathetic performance in round one you will ever see. Like They just put absolutely none. There was no pressure. They basically didn't win a contested footy. They didn't apply a tackle like the whole game, and they got annihilated. And they ended up not being horrific that year. Is that what happened? Did they not turn up, or was it skills-based? Or like how, how did it get so bad? It wasn't skills-based. They had 400-odd possessions, like way more than Geelong. 
Mm. They just let any clearance go straight out the front of the out of the front of the ah. stoppage for Geelong, and didn't put anybody behind the ball to stop it. Patrick Dangerfield looked like Patrick Dangerfield from 2016 or whatever year he won the Brownlow. He just was unbelievable, waltzing out the front, kicking goals from 50 meters out on the run. And mm. it wasn't just Patrick Dangerfield. Max Holmes did it. Brandon Parfit did it. All these guys that aren't particularly like notable yeah. midfielders just kept walking out the front of the stoppage because all the Essendon players wanted to do was find the ball and have a couple of quick handballs before hacking it forward. Mm. They, they also had absolutely no cohesion up front. Like it, it was unbelievable how little they had going forward. They just overpossessed the football and didn't do anything with it. What 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 were the effort levels? Were they horrific? Well, kind of, they looked busy because, you know, uh, Merritt, Parrish, McGrath, Caldwell were all running around getting their hands on the ball. It was just going sideways a lot. They got 45-degree angles, short kicks. It just it wasn't moving with any sort of power or fluidity. I'm having – they got absolutely annihilated in contested possessions, 151 yeah. to 109. That's about as bad as it gets. Yeah, that's 60. Yeah. Something which I've noticed on the like you mentioned the waltzing oh, out of stoppages. I I, I know, <laughs> you mentioned the uh, waltzing out of stoppages thing. I've actually yeah. noticed that quite a lot across. Well, I noticed it a bit across. Yeah, and you've got a theory team. about it too. No, it's, I wouldn't say it's a theory, but Come I, I on, do. Pat yourself on the back. I do think that that's something which is coming into the game a little bit, and I, I don't know how much of it is. Uh, teams adjusting to 666 and therefore putting more effort into having more aggressive stoppages or how much of it was just the fact that Melbourne did it so well in the final series. But I'm noticing there's a lot of midfield groups who are getting a lot more aggressive with their stoppage setups and the way in which they attack the ball at a stoppage. There's teams which are really sort of driving the legs and really getting out the front of stoppages. In the past, Mm. there's been a lot of you know, those teams who, you know, they even up the clearances or they do well in the clearances, but there's a lot of, like, hack kick forwards. And the yeah. idea of having this territory game of, look, let's just get it into the 50, let's lock it in, let's then lock it in our forward line and play that sort of territory game, where it seems like teams are more now, once they get out of a stoppage, they're putting a lot more time into making it a score from there. I noticed it a lot from Carlton. They were terrific mm. at doing that. Chris, Chris was fantastic doing that. Driving the leagues, getting out the front of the stoppage. You mentioned it out of Dangerfield. I've actually noticed it a lot out of the Gold Coast. I've noticed mm. Rao's done it a bit. Miller's done it a bit. There's been a lot more of that sort of link up the hands, get out the front of the stoppage and drive forward. Yeah. Um, I, I suspect that is a bit of a copycat thing because that's what Melbourne did so well last oh, year. Oh, there we go. That's why he's patting us on the back, and we're very, very good at it as well. Um, but <laughs> that's quite a good thing for footy because that's one of the most exciting things to watch. And I, I, I've oh, noticed that yeah. a bit. A midfielder streaming out of a centre clearance kicking goal from 50 is almost peak football. So yeah. the more we get at that, the better. I, think I hope it is a trend. Yeah. But let's not get away from the fact that Essendon sucked. That's what <laughs> I want to focus on. You can have okay. all your sort of grand theories of how football is going to get played all you like. Essendon were terrible. It was only like they were missing Jake Stringer. No one else really mattered. Okay. So, look, just just before we go on to my uh, next overreaction, just just Mm -hmm. quickly, when you say they're cooked, where are they going to finish this? Bottom four. Okay. All right. I'll accept that. I could easily see bottom six if that's the kind of performance they put out. Yep. Fair enough. I'm not sure they're better than, I don't know, well, all but five other teams, I guess, by that metric. I was trying to think of who's about that mark. Maybe St. Kilda, they're better than? I don't know. 
you're Pretty a small manager. Probably not. Look, speaking of bottom six teams, uh, we'll go on to my uh, one, which is a bit of a backflip on last week. But uh, oh, from what I've seen, Banjo, I think mm. Richmond are the team who are well and truly cooked. They're, they're over the hill. They're done. I've decided I'm that now. I'm excited by this one too. I'm extremely excited great. by it. But, mate, their midfield got absolutely pantsed. And I know Prestia went off, but he's been injured for it's years. It's sad. He's going to continue to be injured. Martin's I mean, still The fact that he played a half is quite pretty impressive for his body. Yeah, yeah pretty much. He, he let, still, as long as he's last in a season for a principle while. Principle still applies. Like Dusty's still playing forward half the time. And then apart from that, who the hell runs through their midfield at the moment? We've got players like Ross... Yeah, they still um, play Bolton up forward mostly. Yeah, he, he pops great, in but... there occasionally. Who that Cochin is absolutely cooked. Yeah, I don't think there's any question. He's about gone that. on too long. Yeah, Edwards probably still getting not really a full time midfielder. Is he like no. they've but got all these half forwards? Yeah, they really probably should have taken that Ben Hobbs kid when they had the chance. Like, yeah. yes, Gibbs because looks good, but the game is still won and lost in the midfield. Mm. And, and I know they built a premiership side from the back line, but, God, you've got to be able to win the ball they look, or at they, least not get flogged. They got absolutely bullied out of the midfield by mm. Carlton. And, like, I don't – Carlton did it to Melbourne in the preseason as well. And that, they've got a real big-bodied midfield. Midfield, They're going yeah. really hard And on they that still one. don't have Walsh. They made Richmond look small and weak. And yeah. I, 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 like, I struggle to see the personnel there. Apart from, of course, Dusty and Grimes and Rebol, I suppose. Yeah. But like, I, I struggle to see the personnel who's going to really sort of lift them up to being potentially a, a premiership contender again. I, I think they're done. I, I can see them maybe with a good year yeah. finishing back end of the eight is, is what I'm viewing them as. That's a big, strong backflip because we both had them fourth yep. a week I, ago. I've uh, changed my mind. I, I've de- look, I, I, and you look at it like the top possession getters for Garland. We had Kennedy, Chera, Cripps and Hewitt. Big body yeah. midfielders, and then for Richmond, their highest is Dusty Pickett, Martin with twenty one, Short with twenty one, Ross had twenty, and then you get to Broad and Marlon Pickett at eighteen. Yeah, like that is, and an they just didn't thing. have enough of the ball to do anything. Yeah, like you're never going to win games of football with those being your top possession getters. Like it's mildly shocking that Heaney with twenty five was enough to get uh, Sydney over the line, mm. but twenty one, you're just not going to win. P- games of football without the ball. It's just impossible. They're done, Banjo, and it's good. Yeah, yeah. and then on the flip side of that, my boys, who I was very high on coming into the season, Mm. had them as high as 10th, feel vindicated. It's Carlton. I think they're going to be good on the flip side. (laughs) You had them 10th. Yeah. And you're vindicated, My boys. My boys. Carlton supporters would be so offended by that comment (laughs) to say I was vindicated by putting them at 10th. Yeah. Do you think they'll be lower than 10th? Ah. I, I want more time on Carlton. They've just, I, I, I honestly don't know and acknowledge how right I was about them. <laughs> the last three or four yeah. years, I have gone into them thinking there are a lot of reasons why Carlton are going to be good. And I think Carlton are going to be good. And it just hasn't happened. And it's just, I, I just, I, I need more material before I'm willing to go on it. Of course, First thing is there has been a change and that they finally won a game in round one. It wasn't yep. a, an admirable loss on this occasion. They went and got it done, and that's awesome. But I Apparently do. It's the first time fun. since 2013 they've won a game before round three. Yeah, so that's, look, that's a change, but I do still think it's the first. And I'm not willing to go there yet. 
Yeah. Although, like, their midfield are looking terrific. Like, yeah, and even, like, like, we went through this last year. They have a lot of good players. Yes. Like, they have forever. Yeah. But maybe now their coach is adequate and that's all they needed. Yeah. Like, well, as, yeah. as a lot of people said after that game, they looked organised, which they haven't looked for, I don't even know how long. Ratten? Yeah. Is that, was that the last time they looked organised? Probably, yeah. Like, yeah. they never looked organised under Teague. They were playing a completely bizarre style of football where they just allowed one-on-ones to their key four defenders. Uh, again, oh, Bolton, I guess they looked organised one way, but not the other. Like, yeah. they just would flood people back and it got worse and worse as time went on. Then you're back in Malthouse time where they just look completely dysfunctional. It's yeah. just, maybe that's all they needed, a decent coach. Because, yeah, they have so many talented players and it's kind of like Melbourne. In a way, they were down the bottom for so long that eventually the amount of talent is overwhelming. Yeah, yeah, quite possibly. And look, it, I was I'm blown away by how good Matt Kennedy's been looking. Yeah, like he was. He is your boy too. You oh, yeah, I, I do really like. I've had him uh, in and out of my fantasy team the last few years, and every time he, he gets a little picked, dirty that you didn't get him this time as well. Which yeah, I, I was quite upset about that. But every time I see him get picked, I've always selected him because I, I I think he's good. I think he's yeah. really good, and I don't know why they've taken so long to put him in there. And they clearly there's a he's coach a now. Boy who, too. Sorry. He's a big boy too. Oh, he's a very he's, big boy. He's great above his head. He's yeah. really hard at it. He's not he's not the most skillful player going around. But I think like I don't he's think that terrible though. It's like no, no, he's not like he's Braden Fiorini. No, no, he's not terrible. But um I think like he's a Michael Voss sort of player, I suppose is the best way Ooh. to put it in that. No, not saying that he's that good. Oh, I thought you were comparing him too no, much. No, no, no. In the not sense saying that he's he was a coach's kind of player. No, in the sense that he's a big body, he's bloody hard at it. He, he gives his all every week, that sort of stuff. And I think Voss loves that. And they put him in the midfield, giving him a lot of responsibility. And he is looking awesome. And then when you yeah, add your Cripps, I quite possibly being back to his best, Cher yeah, is going to be fantastic. a good footballer. Like that, that's a good midfield. Yeah. And, I mean, the best of them is Sam Walsh still, and he didn't even play. Yeah, exactly. Like, so, look, again, give it a bit of time. They still have Oscar McDonald in their team, so they can't be that good. But <laughs> he did we'll too bad, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> like, Rewalt and Lynch did absolutely nothing throughout the game, did they? No, they didn't. They had no, no supply. But anyway, yeah. look, I reckon give them a bit more time. Okay. Time for the last segment, Banjo? No, you got one more overreaction. No, to count. I thought we were only doing two. Yeah. What was your first one? What was your first one? The D's. Oh, yeah. I forgot the, about that the, one. The Sorry, that was just so much nonsense. I just ignored it. Come on, come I thought you were still doing your Jermaine Jones take. Uh, okay. We are. <laughs> we are. Uh, yeah. Jermaine Jones looks awesome. I'll just say that quickly. I bloody loved his game. I'm very excited about him. He, he might become my new boy. Now that Kennedy, I haven't got him in my fantasy team. Allow him to, I'll let him go. I'll let him fly. It, uh, it needs Jones to be said, you don't have Jermaine Jones either. No, so. okay. I'll, I'll change my <laughs> selections. I'll get him in. Anyway, the next segment, Banjo, is speaking of our boys. Uh, this, mm-hmm. is probably, this is probably the only segment on the pod in which we come together and we're consistently united and together. And we're talking I mean, about we- fantasy. This is a player who you actually have in your team, and I'm still oh, getting around him. So good. That's how passionate we are about Will Brody and how good he is going to be. I am calling him the Jared Lyons 2.0 uh, because I think he was incredibly harshly treated by the Gold Coast. Every time mm-hmm. he played, he looked like a good footballer. He was hard. He was aggressive. He has a bit of speed to him. Um, mm-hmm. he, like 
as acceleration, I suppose, is the best way to put it. He's really good with his hands. He is a very good footballer. So we are going to unveil that for this year, Banjo, we're going to do Will Brody Watch, and we're going to follow him every week. Absolutely. I'm, I'm very excited about it. Now, I did send you a suggestion for our theme music for Will Brody Watch. Yeah. You didn't understand what I was talking about. (laughs) I then clarified it and you didn't respond. So I get the feeling (laughs) it's a bit lukewarm. Do you have a better suggestion? What did you Uh, think of my idea? Look, honestly, I think I just forgot to respond. I'm putting this one down to COVID, (laughs) right? Oh, maybe I just wanted to start talking about Jason Horn Francis again. (laughs) <laughs> given that's been a lot of our conversations recently. Did, been did, did you like it? Do you years. think it's at the standard of <sighs> Billy Gower's watch song, Bruce Yourself to Dance? Do you think it's... Uh... You think we got the voices for it? It's a, it's a little more um, pure in terms of musical musically. Yeah. <laughs> Look, the suggestion is let it be, obviously, with Brody. Oh, I thought we were keeping it a surprise. No, we'll put it out there. I don't know. We'll see what Poochie thinks of it. Uh, I presume he still listens to us. I haven't really spoken to him enough this week. <laughs> I don't know if he listened last week, but we'll see what he thinks about it. Maybe um, we can do a test recording on Thursday prior to our Hijack TV debut and see how it goes. Yeah, we'll, we'll give it a tweak. Again, if anyone has any suggestions for good songs. Well, actually, no, we're, we're doing a Fremantle game uh, on Sunday. Yeah. We'll debut it then. Yeah, yeah. We're we just planning on the pod. When, it should be an off-air conversation, but screw it. We'll play it when he kicks his sixth goal. We will. Uh, oh boy, would I be happy about that? Yeah, Ooh. no, no. He's, he's an absolute. How, how did he go? He went pretty well. I, I, all I can say is I heard his name on the radio a lot. And yeah, he was, was pretty good. He was playing really well. He was one of four players they bothered to put in a centre bounce, which I think says a lot about how uh, much um, Longmire <laughs> trusts his other midfielders. But he didn't have a high time on ground, which I think held him back a little bit. He scored a 77, he had 22 touches, five tackles, okay. no marks, so he didn't really get around the ground, but it wasn't that kind of game, so it wasn't like he still got, stood out from that front. But he used the ball pretty well, and what impressed me most, his hands were tidy. And his hands that's what were you always tidy. Yeah. yeah, and he did really well on that front. So I think he was a good link, link, uh, sorry, link in the Freo midfield. How he goes with five back, it remains to be seen what his role is, but, you know, that's what we've got this segment for. He's building him. up some match fitness. He'll get he'll build up his time throughout the game. If he starts with 22 disposal with 65% time on ground, Banjo, he's yeah, going to be getting 30s easily. That's right? 30 so, with an 80, with 80% time on ground, isn't it? Yes. I'm not sure the maths works, but it's close that. enough. But, look, he, look, he's just wetting our appetite for the excitement that's going to be Will Brody watching. He's not going to get injured all year. This is going to be a good one. I'm confident about this one. Yeah. We should remind everyone that our history is Aaron Hall, who got delisted or traded for a pick in the 60s after we did Aaron Hall watch. And then we did Billy Gower's watch, who definitely got delisted. We did that for a few years, though, so that was okay. He came second (laughs) in their goal kicking one year, or maybe first in their goal kicking. And then we did Braden Bruce watch last year, and he didn't play a single game Mm -hmm. and proceeded to get suspended before round one this year. This is a good one. Fingers crossed. Are you just doing this to jinx my fantasy team? Actually, I should have. I should have investigated this. Maybe I shouldn't have let it be Will Brody watch. That wasn't my plan, but it would be quite amusing if it didn't work out like that. But no, no, no. He's, he's got. He's got the Brownlow in the bag. That's what's going to happen. Actually, no, he doesn't. Track does. Yeah, he's no, he's second. He's going to be second. Get your story straight, Scott. But anyway, I think that just about wraps us up. Reminder to check us out on Thursday evening as we commentate the. Western Bulldogs Carlton game, and then again on Sunday night when we do St Kilda Freo. 
I'll see uh, you we'll Thursday, Banjo. Yeah, it'll be good. Get ready to record a uh, song. Hit, hit music. <laughs> see ya.